Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Run With Allie Live podcast. If you're someone looking or thinking about running or someone who is interested in training for a marathon without getting that injury, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Run With Allie Live podcast, where I bring you special guests consisting of different running specialties, runners, fitness professionals, specialty doctors, and more to provide their own insights and advice on running, how to begin, how to properly fuel for a race, and how to mentally set yourself up for running successfully for life. Every single Tuesday, I bring you my own personal stories and how I became the runner, trainer, and coach I am today, as well as actionable results from being injured that have only enabled me to become a better coach for my clientele and for me. Thanks to the industry leaders I've hosted on my podcast for making this all possible to, again, become the coach that I am today. Being a Run With Alley believer truly means understanding the holistic approach to running as a lifestyle. It's not just about the fitness aspect, it's the holistic approach, meaning everything from training to nutrition to recovery to headspace to making time for your friends and family. That matters. So stop being so hard on yourself. Tune in weekly right here for new inspiring motivational episodes and guest speakers that will inspire you to change your life for the long run through running. We're in this together. Hello and welcome to Run With Allie Live. This is your host, Allie Felsenthal, and it is Tuesday, the 25th of February, 2020. How crazy is that, guys? Um, I just still can't get over it. It's already March. We're well into 2020. Marathon season is upon us, and you are stuck with me today. But first, before we dive into today's and this week's topic, addressing how to pace yourself for your first marathon all the way to different types of training runs and when to use them in your training program for your marathon. I want to just briefly review what my podcast is all about. I bring you special guests from basically all over the world who in some way have an overlap and share a common interest in running. Some actually don't have such a big passion for the sport, but they have a passion in that entrepreneurial mindset of pursuing something so endearing to them and somehow running plays a factor. And so on the show, there are many guests here of all backgrounds, athletes, run coaches, doctors, runners, just ordinary people. And this is your daily dose of information. So welcome to this week's podcast. Just me today uh, for a change. (laughs) And so, yes, I want to dive in right to our first topic without further ado. So I had a lovely audience uh, last night on the show, and I really want to thank all of you for joining my weekly uh, live chats on my Instagram, Run With Allie. Guys, feel free to tune in weekly, 9 p.m. weekly, Tuesday evenings every week for a different guest and new topic. Uh, So pacing yourself for your first marathon, how on earth are we going to do that? Well, 
there are many different ways to pace one for a marathon, but this is my way. And I'm going to share a little bit about how I would recommend doing so and also how I train my runners to do the same. So first of all, in order to pace yourself for a marathon, you need to learn how to properly pace yourself. Now, this is something I am currently, you know, I work towards. Um, I love to use a track because you know exactly, you know, 400 meters is one lap, four laps is a mile, and it's very easy to kind of be within a five to 10 second uh, pace time frame for each lap and to train that way. And so if you are someone that has issues, you know, really staying on track and pacing yourself, um, I would definitely recommend finding a track or just the same kind of course. So you could better get to know the course in your body over time. Now, heart rate, um, in terms of pacing yourself, I just want to emphasize there is a way to kind of gauge your current fitness level by looking at your heart rate. Because if you're exerting the same amount of effort, but you're going faster and your heart rate levels out and stays the same, your cardiovascular fitness and your fitness is going up, you're becoming more aerobically fit. Um, your aerobic base is improving and you're able to endure more without wasting excess energy. So pacing yourself. Now, we just talked about, you know, um, a course and a method to pace yourself. There are pacing calculators. Uh, I personally love the McMillan calculator. Um, it basically gives you what your threshold, your aerobic threshold, which I'll get to in a minute, um, pace per mile should be a comfortable 10K to half marathon pace, uh, given your marathon time. And also it could give you your, you know, what your VO2 um, max, like how hard you should be exerting uh, your effort. So around 95% effort um, to your max heart rate. If you want to look at it that way, there are different variables to adjust in that pacing calculator. But uh, basically, if you put in different variables, you'll get your pace per mile for whatever workout you're looking to get. Threshold runs, easy runs, uh, stride runs, uh, you know, speed workouts, and tempo runs. So training for a sub four hour marathon, it's pretty intuitive. Uh, I would start by, you know, playing with the thresholds uh, pace um, and putting in, you know, four hours or 359 to see what your threshold has to be at. So you could kind of have a baseline for building up week over week, applying the 10% rule, uh, applying no more than 10% uh, week over week, including a fourth week as your recovery week, toning it down a notch, allowing your body to kind of adapt and absorb a th the three weeks prior to that's worth of training, uh, and also so you don't get injured. To make sure we're progressing steadily, uh, it takes time, but at a comfortable rate. Um, so yes, for a four-hour marathon, you know, just same goes for that. It just I would start with putting in um, your mileage per week. So understanding your current fitness. If you're someone who's running 25 miles a week, you're starting there. Mixing in uh, easier runs at a conversational pace with intervals, um, 
tempo runs and threshold runs and also speed workouts after easy runs, but we'll get to that in a second. So we went over pacing. We went over how to pace yourself for a four-hour marathon, and I will share the McMillan pace calculator in this week's episode recap. Now, the different training methods and why each is important for your run uh, races and your different goals. Um, So such as interval runs and tempo runs. So let me just start by saying that I am an individual that has, um, you know, I've been through an injury and it's not fun. I had piriformis syndrome and a quad strain in my right leg. Had to pull myself out of the Boston Marathon in 2018. It was no bueno, not fun, <laughs> not good. Uh, so injury prevention, how do we prevent that? Well, So before any marathon, I recommend that anyone get the proper running gear, the proper, that includes shoes, the proper running clothing, um, understanding what the proper shoe is to get by working with a foot specialist. There's tons of local running stores around. I'm happy to provide um, several of them in the show recap notes. And running gear, so women's sports bras, uh, shorts, uh, like I love, love like or fabric because it's basically breathable fabric and it doesn't get all sticky to you. Um, and yes, getting the right sneakers so that we're not going to get any st- stress fractures or any injuries that we don't want while we're training for our next race. So that and also getting your gait analysis. So I'm working with Prehab USA. I, they saved my entire, uh, they changed my, my stride, um, my stride rate. They helped me to like basically adjust my entire running form and all of my mechanics to really understand like what, like it would like why, why I was getting injured. And it helped me to also understand my body and how to better equip myself for my next race and to be a better coach and to pay it forward. So I'm actually going to be rolling out a program with them soon and an, um, my sports nutritionist that I'm going to be working with, Amy Gallo. So stay tuned for that, but not to deviate too much. Um, yes, getting a gait analysis from a specialist, uh, such as Prehab USA or just typing in gait analysis. And there are plenty uh, nearby you I'm sure. And if there's not, you could always reach out to me. My email and contact um, info is in my bio or just head to my website and find my contact info there. So that's the injury prevention um, part I want to speak to before ever diving into any training program. Um, Also running gear. Just get it. If you're a runner, you're committed. Get that running gear. It's a, it's a good investment and it's going to make you excited to get ready for your race or races. Now, so getting back to the different training methods. Um, so just to briefly go over why we want to train for a race using different training methods, such as like different training runs, speed runs, threshold runs, um, endurance runs. Uh, easier pace runs is because of injury prevention, of increasing our running economy, um, being able to transport basically oxygen throughout our body um, and use it effectively as energy. 
uh, being able to oxidize fat for fuel, and just having um, that ability to conserve glycogen as much as possible, um, and being our most powerful, efficient runner, or having that run form that's most efficient for us. So adding in structured workouts, um, speeds, tempo runs, in addition to easy runs, those are what make you faster. So for example, an easy pace would be around anything under 90 seconds or above 60 seconds slower than your marathon pace. I would say around a minute and a half um, per mile than your 5K pace. And the goal of these runs is to increase your endurance and stamina without completely being exhausted. And it's very, very important to actually follow any structured training program because each workout has a purpose to get you to be your best running self. Um, And these should be run at a pace that you could converse with a running buddy running next to you and so forth. Now, threshold runs are a bit different than tempo runs. Let me explain why. So threshold runs are paced around your 10K or half marathon pace. Uh, They should be comfortably hard. Uh, This is the pace that you could run at about an hour, I would say. And what these do is they increase your ability to, as I mentioned early on in this podcast, run at a faster pace for a longer period of time without spending too much energy and keeping your heart rate lower than if you know compared to like someone that might not be as well trained and is exerting more energy than they should be or you know and they're going to run out of fuel fuel the gas tank sooner uh during your training i wouldn't do these for the full 60 minutes i would train you know um using mile repeats uh doing a mile at your threshold pace which you could use the running calculator for uh the high end of um your aerobic threshold uh, with 60 seconds of recovery in between or your threshold runs no more than 20 minutes during the structured workouts. Yes. So um, that is threshold. Um, Now tempo, um, these could be a little bit longer, uh, but, you know, it's – it's basically you want to run at a pace where your lactate does not accumulate in your blood. It stays consistent. And so it's common um, that during these intense workouts, that's, you know, the goal. But, you know, we might go over our lactate threshold pace. Um, and so, you know, in tempo runs – we should be able to run a little uh, further. It might be a little slower than those threshold runs or mile repeats. Um, But you want to essentially, you know, hold a longer pace for a longer amount of time, exerting the same amount of energy uh, and not exceeding that lactate threshold, not tapping into your um, ATP system or anaerobic system and using glycogen. So... Yes, that is tempo runs. Now, whew, uh, VO2 max pace runs are for speed. Um, these intervals are basically used to help you run faster. I do these on a track. Um, and they also improve running economy. Um, and yes, so that's just very short and sweet. So they should be at like your mile pace, for example. 
Um, now, it's very important um, in terms of pacing to understand that you shouldn't always be so hung up on pacing, especially if you're doing like hill tempo runs or just there's hills involved. Different physiological factors are always uh, coming into play to affect different runs and workouts. Uh, so learning your rate of perceived exertion or your effort and understanding what that feels like during your entire training process will allow you to A, be a faster runner, be a more powerful runner and be more adaptable to changes during any race, which ultimately will make you the best runner you could possibly be. So it's okay, for example, if you're caught, if your watch dies or if you don't even have one, because if you understand what that amount of effort that is getting you to that threshold pace, for example, or that threshold mileage um, goal, then if you're training using that consistently for a year till that race, you're good. So yes, rate of perceived exertion, I would focus more on over obsessing over pacing, like the numbers during your training runs, because it should be fun too. So I covered the different types of runs. Um, I talked about, you know, why, what each does. Uh, now I'm going to talk about when to use them. Um, even though I kind of did, I just want to make sure that like I specifically speak to each. So speed workouts, um, your, you know, your VO2 max workouts, uh, these are basically, these are hard. Um, these should not be done more, I would say than once a week. Uh, they allow you to really get faster and make those type two muscle fibers very powerful so that when you're at the end of that race and your type one slow twist muscle fibers wear out, you have those power, those power twitch fibers to come into play. Um, so, you know, I would definitely not do these uh, more than once a week and you don't want to experience overtraining syndrome, for example. Um, so if you wanted to include, for example, like a 60 seconds hard, 60 seconds recovery, um, that is fine. Uh, these runs should be done at higher intensities and they're very quick. Um, so I personally love 60-60s because it's giving you, it's putting that stress on your body and your heart to recover. And ultimately with time, that recovery time should decrease, showing that you are getting um, more fit and you'll probably be able to run faster as well. And that's great because, well, you're increasing your running economy, AKA or <laughs> also known as, um, you're more efficient um, and using less energy at the same speed. You're enhancing your muscle mind, muscle memory, um, mind connection, neuromuscular coordination, uh, increasing your muscle strength, so inversely kind of strength training, too, increasing your speed, athleticism, and just, yes, you're going to be less prone to injuries because actually, oddly enough, your body forces itself into proper form when you're running at harder bouts. Um, 
So you, by default, you'll find that you might lean from your ankles and you're propelling off the ground evenly, uh, making you less prone to injuries. Whereas if you were just running 18 miles too many times a week and your running form was just all over the place, that wouldn't be the best, now would it? <laughs> so that's, um, you know, ways to incorporate speed runs into your workouts no more than once a week. And, you know, I would keep that at a consistent duration throughout your entire training. Um, but yes, uh, you know, definitely nothing excessive because you're also going to throw in threshold runs and you're going to increase your mileage as you get closer to the marathon. So I recommend uh, running anywhere depending on your running level um, from 50 to 70 miles a week um, in total. And that includes your long runs. Long runs are easy runs. And you'll notice that as time goes on, if you are training, incorporating all these different types of runs, you are going to be running at a faster pace with better running mechanics and form, keeping that heart rate sustainable and yeah, exerting not as much effort as you would be if you didn't train properly. So tempo runs, I would incorporate these two times a week or threshold and tempo runs uh, two to three times a week. Um, again, you want to be running comfortably hard at your high. Um, you want to increase your lactic threshold. Uh, so basically you are not tapping into your anaerobic system and depleting yourself of glycogen completely because we would not want that. <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, that is for tempo runs and threshold runs. And now your easy runs, um, I would incorporate these easy-ish runs mid-distance two to three times a week. Uh, if you're a six-week, six-day-a-week runner or once, and then your long run, uh, which I do on Sundays because usually marathons are on Sundays and I just like to get used to that. These are at an easy conversational pace. And then, you know, a way to increase everything cumulatively and in aggregate is as the weeks go on applying that 10% rule I mentioned previously, no more than 10% of that total mileage per week, week over week. And then throwing in that recovery week in there, which means just taking the mileage down a little bit so that you give your body time to process, adapt, and then get back at it and keep building without getting injuries. Strength training. So really, I would not emphasize, like, it's not, I don't think it's extremely important closer to a marathon to start, like, lifting heavy weights but you definitely want to make sure you know women uh, who are a little bit in the older age demographic want to deadlift heavy with light reps do compound uh, lifts squats deadlifts um, heavier with light reps once once to twice a week uh, but resistance training is great too so I I know you guys have seen I'm crazy about the TRX and I mean it um, so pulling your body weight uh, really applying those unilateral exercises both on your lower body and your upper body. So single-legged deadlifts, pistol squats, um, reverse lunges, lateral lunges, anything in the frontal plane, horizontal, 
uh, anything in the transverse plane where you're rotating because we don't do that when we run. We're usually in the sagittal plane moving forward and backwards. A little anatomy for you right there. <laughs> um, so yes, and single-legged plyometric and upper body plyometric movements. So, you know, box jumps or just like broad jumps. Um, anything to get that power distributed evenly amongst your body and having the ability to use the same amount of power on each side of your body is extremely important. Uh, this is also why I'm very, I'm a huge fan of contralateral exercises. So for example, if I was using my right hand and my left leg or foot, that's contralateral, opposite sides of the body, opposite limbs, whereas ipsilateral would be the same side of my body, my right hand, my right foot. Um, so when you train cross body, basically everything like think of your lats as like an X. So your left lat connects to your right glute, your right lat connects to your left glute. Um, everything connects. So when you have that adaptation and you are strong in, in your cross body and the same side of your body, your mechanics are going to be more on point because you're going to bear weight, uh, evenly distributed throughout your body. Um, especially, you know, for that lower body, using those glutes, hammies, and hips to power through your running stride runners, uh, not overcompensating in your quads, your TFL, um, your hip flexors, which we all tend to do. And that's why it's so important to train your glutes and the lower back part of your body. So hence those deadlifts, the single-legged movements I was talking about, but also not neglecting that upper body strength um, work. So, you know, push-ups are important. Um, rows are important including all of that to make everything even and training that core core meaning core is the circumference think of a water bottle so I'm looking at my water right here because your transverse abdominis is your uh, the core muscle that basically is the circumference of your torso your abs are in front of it so core deadlifts work your core kettlebell swings work your core also a plyometric movement um you want to have a strong core so that you don't rotate your body so much while you're running and you're able to have a proper arm swing and proper propulsion off of the ground when you, um, with each stride. So as in with each step, uh, that's just enhances your running economy. So think of the Terminator, like literally think of the Terminator when, when he's running <laughs> and his thumb is basically going from his hip all the way to his chin, just straight forward. His elbows aren't going too far outwards, like sideways, like out, like away from the body. I mean, um, that's a really good way to think about it. And you're striking with your midfoot, uh, not your heel, not running on your toes. So yes, that is all important core strength. Do those farmer carries, pick up two kettlebells, bring your shoulder blades down and back so they're glued together like a meathead, I always say, and walk around two times around your apartment for 60 seconds total once a day, see what happens. Or in your gym, of course. Um, so yes, I wanted to just emphasize that strength training is very important as well. Cross training too. What I mean by that is you guys all know I have my cross training signature workouts. Uh, these are low intensity on your lower body. So not a lot of jumping plyometric movements, uh, but high intensity where you're still 
recruiting fast switch muscle fibers, but you're just not jumping. Why is this important? You're going to enhance your power as a runner. Um, it's not training for specificity, which is training for the specific sport you're doing. However, it is training that energy system that you use while you run. So it is important to incorporate these workouts at least once, if not twice a week. And you could even double up um, on one of your running days doing one of these workouts in the morning or afternoon with maybe one of the shorter distance runs or on your off day or active recovery day as well. Um, so that addresses that. And I had a question last night on ways to, I believe it was, um, nutrition before and after, um, a run and ways to increase your oxygen uptake. Um, so I'm going to first talk about the nutrition aspect. So um, nutrition before and after your run. So you just want to make sure that while you're training, you're keeping, um, you're keeping that energy up. So you're intaking the proper macros and micronutrients, the proper carbs, proteins, and fats, in addition to vitamins and minerals. Uh, so for example, um, you know, you're eating like two hours before those workouts, replenishing your body with protein and definitely carbs uh, within about two hours after your workouts. Um, if I don't have anything on me, my default, and this is not an ad, um, are one bars because um, they're just, they're high in protein, low in sugar. Um, they're great for post-workouts, especially those running ones. Uh, during my workouts, uh, when I need some fuel, I use my ProBolt energy gels. They're amazing. And before a workout, I'll usually have a good like leafy green salad, lots of magnesium, uh, throw a little Himalayan salt in there, have a banana for potassium electrolytes. Um, and yeah, some probably like chicken or something. Uh, and you know, a little bit of dressing, of course. So you got your carbs in there, carbs, proteins, fats, and your vitamins. Um, I am a huge fan of getting your vitamins through your food, not through pills. So all of that uh, covers that. And I am a nutrition coach. So if you do have questions about guidance in regards to sports nutrition, feel free to contact me. And if you have questions that are kind of more specific uh, to you, I could refer you out to my lovely nutritionist I work with. So that covers uh, nutrition. Um, now, speaking about race week, carbo loading, I don't believe in carbo loading the night before uh, a race. The reason being is you don't want to be so feeling so heavy and you don't want to almost like get sick on a race course. So eating may maybe, you know, lean meats, um, salmon, chicken before fruits, staying hydrated, lots of water, vitamin water. Um, would be good for the night before the race because you want to be your leanest but your strongest running self. Um, if you're going to carbo load, do that a week before the race so your body stores, you know, carbs as energy. Um, and that all happens during the training process as well. If you have any further questions, of course, always reach out. Uh, now getting to, you know, increasing your oxygen intake. Well, this is VO2 max. Um, in a nutshell, the body's ability to 
use oxygen. Um, and you want to increase that. So basically, you are able to use more oxygen during your runs. Um, so there are ways you could do this. Uh, there's not one way that works for everyone. Uh, but I would say just initially, you want to run more. You want to do practice specificity, which I mentioned. Um, so run more. Uh, you know, incorporate faster um, speed runs, speed workouts, so those VO2 runs I mentioned before. Uh, this is going to go hand in hand with increasing your VO2 max score, but maybe losing a little bit of weight, excess weight, um, because when you're and like when you get to be getting faster, you want to be your leanest but your strongest self. And yes, this is also largely genetic. So training influences your oxygen uptake tremendously, but understand that there are some things we can't control. Genetics is one of them. But there are some things such as training properly. Um, and, you know, doing these bouts at high intensities, like I said, the 60-60s, um, working for 60 seconds, recovering for 60 seconds is a great um, go-to and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so, um, yeah, so this, you know, this covers, um, basically everything that I wanted to address in this week's podcast. And I know I went through basically pacing, how to pace yourself for a sub four hour marathon, where to start with any training plan, getting, you know, your great analysis, uh, where to go for that, a preventive injury specialist, running gear. Uh, I went over the different types of training runs, what they are by definition, when to use them, uh, examples, and how to properly and safely progress yourself towards your next race, towards your next marathon, uh, while including the proper strength training and cross-training days as well. And then I even dove into pre and post race nutrition a little bit and increasing your VO2 max. So on that note, I'm going to wrap up today's episode and this week's show. And I look forward to seeing you all at the same time and place next week with ultra marathon runner and run coach Benjamin Sa. So until then, enjoy the rest of your week and I will see you soon. Thanks guys.